This is the Member Maker Podcast presented by Memberspace. Each episode, we'll be interviewing entrepreneurs focused on building an audience and growing their membership business. Our guest today is Tyler McCall, founder of Follower to Fan Society, providing courses and training to educate entrepreneurs on marketing their business online using Instagram. All right, I'm here with uh, Tyler McCall. Hi, Tyler. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's start with you giving us a quick summary of of your business and and what it provides so people can get some context. Yeah. So uh, I run an online membership community. Well, it's not just me anymore. We have a little team of people who who run this now, but uh, we run an online community called the Follower to Fan Society. And inside that community, we help entrepreneurs use Instagram in a more genuine and intentional way so they can market themselves and market their businesses online. Cool. And what is your professional background before you started all this? Yeah, so I actually got my start in the nonprofit world. Um, right out of college, I went to work for the YMCA. And that's kind of, it's what I wanted to do, actually. I thought I was going to work for the YMCA forever and retire at 55 and just go about my life. And that's what I started doing. I also spent some time in the political world doing community organizing and uh, running my own nonprofit and then also doing some uh, political organizing as well. But that's what I did for a little over six years. And toward the tail end of that time, I started doing the side hustle thing and uh, picking up work on the side, just running businesses, Instagram accounts and helping them with their marketing. I was doing marketing at the YMCA as well. And, uh, did that for a little bit. And then eventually I was able to leave my full-time nonprofit job and start an agency with a friend. So did that for about a year. I did the agency model of business running an Instagram marketing agency and then started to transition into more coaching and consulting about Instagram marketing strategy. And then eventually launched the Follower to Fan Society at the end of 2017. And then in 2018, I was able to fully transition my whole business model over to this model and don't really do any one-on-one work anymore or manage accounts or any of that stuff anymore. So just to go back for a sec to the YMCA days. So obviously it sounds like you were pretty busy uh, besides just work, but um, so at the YMCA, if I heard that right, you, you were doing marketing there. So I was doing about a million different jobs, which is very, which is very typical for the nonprofit world. Um, yeah, so I started working at the front desk actually as a front desk attendant, selling memberships to the YMCA, which is very funny now that this whole membership journey experience in my life has kind of come full circle because here I am selling memberships again to something else. Uh, I started at the front desk, worked my way up from there to a district member engagement director. And that was a really cool role. I got to uh, work on our strategy for attracting and retaining members of the YMCA, uh, identifying ways to better connect with them, build relationships, to create a better customer service experience for our members. So I did that for a while, and then eventually transitioned over to the marketing and communications team. And uh, in that role, I started doing a lot more of the advertising, email marketing, a lot of traditional advertising with booking, uh, you know, paid ads and newspapers and TV and radio and doing that type of stuff as well. So all different stuff, operations, marketing, membership, sales, all over the place. Cool. So you had a little, not a little, but you definitely had some significant experience in the marketing world before you kind of jumped into fo- to the follower to fan society business. 
I did. Yeah, I was really fortunate to have to have a lot of time, not just in the YMCA, but also uh, started. I started and ran my own nonprofit for a little over a year, and also doing community and political organizing. Really relying heavily on social media at the time. It was Twitter was the big the big platform we used. So I kind of I had about. I don't know, a solid 10 years worth of experience of uh, marketing and figuring out social media and and building relationships with people online before I really dove into follower to fan society. And and to kind of build up those initial marketing skills uh, and social media skills, did you take courses? Did you read books? Like what was kind of the strategies there? Yeah, there were a few different things. I didn't really take any courses. Um, I actually, I didn't major in marketing in college. I didn't study it at all. I actually got a degree in psychology. Um, I took a few marketing classes here and there, but you know, at the time, and I still think kind of traditional education about marketing and advertising hasn't really caught up to what we do on social media now. Uh, So there wasn't as much in the form of kind of traditional education. The thing that I really relied on was podcasts. And I love that that's what this is, right? And and podcasts were such a valuable part of me learning the skills that I needed, the techniques, the tools, the tactics for really getting into this online business side of things. I knew a lot about marketing from kind of the traditional side in the YMCA, but when it came to learning about funnels and ads and opt-ins and email marketing and sales sequences and all these things, that all came from podcasts, you know, podcasts like Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy Porterfield or The Art of Paid Traffic with Rick Mulready. Uh, Those were a couple of my favorites where I really learned a lot of the skills that I needed. And then the next thing I did was just started practicing. You know, I just started doing it. I think a lot of times, as entrepreneurs, it's really easy for us to get stuck in a in kind of student mode and not really take action. And I was really quick to take action and just started trying things. And listen, a bunch of stuff did not work <laughs> at the beginning, but uh, but over time, just trying and practicing, just like anything, you know, I was able to kind of perfect my message, perfect my marketing, perfect who I was speaking to, perfect the visual identity of my brand, all of those things. And that's still evolving today and still growing today. But yeah, podcast and then just doing the dang thing. Those are the, the two things that I did. So let's go a little bit more ahead in the timeline. So when you actually started the Follower to Fan Society, what, what was the thinking behind that? Like, why did you even think that was something that needed to exist in the world? Yeah, there were a few reasons. So the first reason uh, was because I had a failed course launch behind me. So that was part of it. And I say failed. I mean, I launched a course at the beginning of 2017. I think I had like 12 people enroll. I didn't get the numbers I wanted. And then my life kind of fell apart and went into shambles that spring and summer. I actually ended up refunding a lot of the students because I couldn't deliver the content because so many things were happening in my life. And I didn't want that to happen again. I wanted to create a course or a membership or something, but I wanted to create something that felt a little bit more sustainable for me. And a membership site felt like a better option for me and the kind of life I wanted to live and how I wanted to structure my business. Um, A few other things I was thinking about in terms of teaching Instagram online was that a lot of the products that were out there that I saw were, were courses that were kind of that, you know, like a $300 Instagram course. And a lot of times that content inside the course was teaching people pretty basic things like how to take a pretty picture or 
how to use a hashtag. And the courses just kind of ended up saying to be successful on Instagram, post pretty pictures and use a lot of hashtags. And that's kind of where the conversation ended. Right. And, but I knew there was so much more to Instagram than that. You know, when I started follower to fan society at that point, I had run over 20 Instagram accounts over the past year. I had grown people's followings from nothing to thousands of followers. I had run accounts for local businesses and national brands. And I had also consulted and coached over a hundred business owners on their own Instagram strategy. And I knew there was a lot more to it than that. I knew that people needed a system to put in place, but they also needed resources to implement that system. And then most importantly, they needed support as they were doing all this work. And that's what really appealed to me about going about this as a membership model and creating something that would, first of all, give me recurring, consistent, predictable revenue in my business, and then give me a recurring, consistent, predictable paycheck because I had not really had that since I left the YMCA. And I was really looking forward to that (laughs) and starting this next phase of my business. But then also picking a really great way to educate and support people through learning about how to use Instagram. So that's why I went the route of creating a membership community. So let's jump into the the audience building because that's that's a big step that a lot of people either struggle with or don't even realize that that's kind of step one in all this is if you want to start a business, especially a membership business, the uh, step one is not is not to create the course and to start telling people to buy it. Step one is is actually to get an audience. If I would imagine you'd agree with that. So, um, yeah, if you could just kind of give us some heads up and, and and insights into how you built that initial audience and the details behind that. Yeah, definitely. So I think you're so right. You're right on the money there. That you know, a lot of people think that first step is create the thing and then sell it to people, and that's what I actually did. I I did that. I went down that path at the beginning of 2017. I created the thing. I created a course that I just, I knew everyone needed. Everyone needed this course. And then when I went out there and tried to sell it, well, the results weren't what I had hoped for. So I really learned in 2017, the value of creating something for my audience and with my audience. So when we launched Follower to Fan Society, that's what we did. We, we launched it with a skeleton of what it would eventually become today. And with just a little bit of content in there. And we told our members, hey, we're going to be creating this content with you because we want to make sure it's actually meeting your needs and is doing what you need it to do for you. So to build the audience for that, there were a few things that I did. First of all, you'll be very surprised to learn that I relied heavily on Instagram. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's what I do. It's what I know. It's where I hang out. So I spent a lot of time really nurturing relationships on Instagram. And that's one of the big kind of a Instagram lesson in all of this that I, I can share with people is that the value of Instagram for your business is not in necessarily the number of followers or the likes or comments you're getting. It's in the conversations that you're having with people. So I was able to consistently create content and using Instagram stories in particular and using Instagram stories as a way to kind of open the door for conversations for my followers and getting people into my direct messages, talking to them about their needs, what they were looking for, what they needed help with, and then just working with them to kind of create solutions for them. Something else that I did that was really helpful and I encourage folks to do is if you're currently working with people one-on-one, and that's what I was, you know, up until we launched the Follower to Fan Society in October of 2017, 
most of my my income came from one-on-one coaching. And there were a few things I did in that process that really helped Follower to Fan Society be the success that it is. The first thing that we did was I um, got really clear about my process. Like what was the process I was taking my one-on-one clients through? And I started documenting that entire process. And what I quickly realized is that that process was repeatable. So I could create content and deliver that content through a recording and not have to deliver that deliver that content one-on-one. The next thing that I did that helped with the success of launching Follower to Fan Society is building a wait list for two things. The first thing is building a wait list of potential one-on-one clients. I fully booked myself out um, by summer of 2017, and I couldn't take on any more one-on-one clients. So when I would get inquiries, I would say, hey, I can't work with you right now, but there may be an opportunity to work with me in the future in a different way. Is that something you're interested in? If so, let me put your name on a wait list. So I was able to start building a wait list that way through potential one-on-one clients. And then also building a wait list publicly for when this thing launched. So I started talking about the Follower to Fan Society, I think it was in August of 2017, so a couple of months before we launched, and I positioned it as a question for my audience. It wasn't a, hey, I'm launching this thing and you need it. It was, hey, I'm thinking of creating this thing that could help you get this result Is that something you're interested in? Is that something you would sign up for? Is that something that could help you? Is that something you're looking for? Just to kind of survey my audience and see if that was something they were into. And for everyone that said yes, I would say, okay, great. Can I put you down on the wait list? Or can I describe your email address so I can send you information when the doors open for this thing? And really positioning it all as a question was really, really beneficial for me. And then the last thing that I did is... I built a Facebook group in addition to my Instagram account. So uh, I had my followers on Instagram. And what I worked on doing was funneling them over to a Facebook group where I could continue nurturing the relationship with them. Uh, that was a little bit more intimate than on the Instagram account. And I would do things like going live on on there. I In 2017, I did, which was crazy, I did 21 days of Facebook Lives. Um, which was very ambitious, but super effective for building my audience and creating a ton of live content on Facebook. And then really leaning into using Facebook Lives for a a couple of reasons. First of all, to share that content on Facebook to educate or inspire my audience on that platform. And then also to build custom audiences on Facebook so I could use that down the road when it came to using Facebook and Instagram ads. So all those things combined really helped me build my audience. But it was really about uh, getting email addresses, getting people on a wait list, also being very proactive about getting people into a community with me. So on Instagram, into a Facebook group, wherever, where I could connect with them and keep having conversations with them. And then just positioning it all as an opportunity for them and asking them if that's something they actually wanted. And, you know, if I would have done that for a few weeks and people were like, no, I don't care about that or I'm not interested in that, I wouldn't have launched Follower to Fan Society. But because I kept hearing from people, yes, I would love that or I'm so interested in that, I was able to launch it. And, you know, when we launched in October of 2017, I think we had around, I want to say around 300 or 400 people on the wait list. And that was from Instagram, from my Facebook group, from old, from people I had on my mailing list before. I think I may have had like, you know, a thousand people on my mailing list from the past year or so. And then we opened the doors and we had 
I think close to 90 people join in our first launch. And I was so happy with that and so excited about that. And then, well, we can talk about that later, but then we just kind of rinsed and repeated our launch for the next year or so to grow our community what it, to what it is today. When you're building the audience and getting those initial email addresses, uh, it sounds like the origin was you were uh, either directly messaging or, or, or posting on your Instagram to people. How did you actually find people that cared about this content in the first place? Like what's the origin of saying, okay, this person would be someone who might, who might even care about this. How did you find those people? Yeah, definitely. So there were a few things I was doing. First of all, um, I had spent a lot of time just sitting back and watching what was happening online in my particular market at the time. So when I launched the follower to fan society, a lot of folks that I was attracting were creative entrepreneurs, a lot of makers, artists, and wedding professionals were kind of our initial our initial base of members. And I spent a lot of 2017 just kind of sitting back and watching what was happening in that space and doing a lot of that through other people's free Facebook groups. So going into these large Facebook communities and just looking at the questions people were asking, starting to uh, make lists and notes of those questions. So just starting a Google Doc, this is a great a great piece of advice for anyone who wants to launch something like this. Just start a Google Doc and anytime you see people talking about the topic that you want to teach or want to help people with, just start dumping all of that language, all of that copy into a document. So what I was able to do was accumulate all of the questions that people were typically asking, all of the pain points they typically had, and even the way that they were speaking about Instagram. So I could then turn that language around and use that in my marketing and promotions. And then the next thing that I did is I started creating content, free content that addressed those questions, that answered those questions, that addressed those pain points. And I would do that in the form of a Facebook Live or a free resource, like a a download or opt-in that I would create, or just an Instagram post or an Instagram story. It doesn't even have to be something elaborate like a PDF. You can literally just create an Instagram story and talk about the topic. So I really led with the content and let the content be the thing that would attract people in because the idea was once someone found that content and found it valuable, they would share it with someone else. And then the second thing that I did is I was just super intentional on Instagram about engaging with other people. So we actually teach this inside the Follower to Fan Society, shameless shameless plug there. But one of the strategies that you can use on Instagram is engaging outside of your account to find potential students or clients or even just a potential follower on Instagram. And what that would look like, first of all, is having complete clarity about who you want to attract. So, you know, I did that work. I looked at who was who was kind of active in this space, who was asking these questions. Which of these people I was like, yes, I would love to work with them. They would be a great fit for our community. And which people I was like, oh, no, I do not want them in our community. They will not get results that I want them to. I need to make sure that our marketing does not speak to those people. And then I was able to create that content and then go out and find those people and things like hashtags um, and things like other people's accounts. So people that may be teaching that were maybe teaching Instagram, uh, I would go to their post and look for the people who were engaging with their content and then follow those people back to their account and engage with them. Um, also looking at content that's shared at locations on Instagram. So if I know, you know, my ideal member 
is typically going to this major marketing conference or this major wedding professional event, looking at content that's shared during that event or at that event venue and engaging with that content on Instagram. There's a lot of different ways you can do this, but it was really about being super proactive. You know, a lot of times I see people kind of creating content and sitting back and waiting for people to come to them. And that's not the way you build an audience. It's just not effective. You have to either build an audience with your time by going out and engaging organically and consistently and building relationships or with your money by using something like Facebook and Instagram ads. Those are really the only two ways to do it. So for me, that was it through my time. I went out, I engaged and I started connecting with people and when they came back to my profile, when they came back to my Facebook group, when they came to my uh, Facebook page, whatever it may be, they were always met with high quality content that answered their questions and helped with the pain points that I had from all the research I had been doing for months and months before then. That makes sense. And I really like the the tip you gave about creating a Google, a Google Doc of actual words and phrases that customers or prospects are using and uh, the problems they're having. That That's something I've heard before. And Definitely a useful, a useful tip people to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, let's transition to another topic here regarding your, your business model and your pricing. If you just give a quick summary of, of how the pricing works and what the business model is. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what we're doing right now may not be what we do forever. We're actually going to play around with pricing a little bit. Uh, this year in 2019. But currently we offer three tiers of membership for our community. All of our members get access to all of the same content. And we break our our member content down into three kind of buckets. So the first bucket is our training system, which we call the framework. So we have uh, it's videos, audio, PDFs, workbooks, slide decks, those types of things. That's the first bucket of content. That's uh, that's evergreen, that's up, that's in our members area for them to access from the day they join. The next bucket of content are our resources. So this is all about supporting our members as they're implementing the framework. So these are things like monthly hot seat calls, monthly Q&A calls, those happen live for our members. We also put out a monthly content guide for them. Uh, we do a monthly masterclass, which is pre-recorded. We do weekly Instagram audits, those types of things. So those are more living, breathing pieces of content that my team and I are creating on a weekly or monthly or quarterly basis for our members. Then the last piece is the community. So it's the content, the resources, and the community. And we manage our community through a Facebook group for our members where we support them, we answer their questions, give them feedback, and all of that. Uh, And then as I said, our members get access to all the content regardless of their level of membership. So currently we sell monthly memberships, which are month uh, monthly recurring membership payments. And those are can- members can cancel those at any time, but there's no contract with that. We also sell an annual membership. So our monthly membership is currently $74 a month. We sell an annual membership for $740. And that, when people join at that level, they get two months for free at the annual level. And then we also sell a lifetime Time membership, which is $997. And at the lifetime level, uh, we, first of all, they never pay again, obviously. And then we also send them a gift in the mail, which is really important to us to have that high touch experience. And then we also give our lifetime members a free ticket to our live event. We do a live in person. Uh, it's a two day event. Uh, our first one is actually happening this year in 2019. So our lifetime members get a free ticket to that. Members at other levels have to purchase a ticket to attend that event. So those are the three different levels of membership and kind of the offers that we have for our members. 
Okay, so for the the lifetime one's intriguing because obviously math wise, if someone stays for does the annual, for example, uh, if they if they were to do two years, that's obviously much more money than one lifetime. Is it is it more the thinking behind that was that more of well, a lot of people aren't going to stay for more than a year in general. Is that kind of the like the lifetime value you might call that? Have you found that to be below nine ninety seven, and that's why you're offering this, or what's the thinking behind it? Yeah, the lifetime the lifetime option uh, for a couple of reasons. The first reason was definitely to boost our lifetime value of our member, or uh, so to get that a little bit higher. Because you know, as with most membership sites, people don't stay a member forever and ever. Amen. You know, they're there for, you know, three, four, six, nine months, whatever. And then they leave for whatever reason. So that was part of it to get people to stay longer. And then the other part of it was to really get people to commit to the community and have them uh, commit to being a part of this community for the lifetime of this product, however long that may be, to have them here and a part of that community. And then the last thing is, you know, when we launched the Follower to Fan Society, I wanted some quick cash. <laughs> I wanted like that cash injection when we started the community. And we've seen that the the lifetime membership option actually proves to be pretty popular. About 8% of our members, I think, are on lifetime memberships right now. And uh, we see that to be a pretty popular option. It also is a great upsell for us. So if someone is a monthly member and they've been a monthly member for a little while, uh, we then offer them the opportunity to join at the lifetime level. And we actually will discount that down based on how long they've been a monthly member. So we'll give them up to two months of their monthly membership, what they paid toward the cost of a lifetime membership. And we have some members who take us up on that offer as well, who they've been there for a while and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I want to be here. I want to stick around. Um, and then the last thing is that 997 price point for us is pretty competitive and pretty standard, you know, in the online uh, course creator space. So 997 is kind of the standard baseline price for a lot of online products. So it's really familiar to people who are purchasing online learning products. So we wanted to play around with that price as well. And it's, it's worked well for us so far. Cool. So for the, let's go to the $74 a month uh, plan. Where, where'd 74 come from? Has it always been 74? Have you played with that at all? Yeah, we've played with that number a lot. So we, when we launched, it was $47 a month. And then we went up to $59 a month and then $64 a month. And then we're currently $74 a month. Um, yeah, the price, honestly, that I just kind of pulled it out of the air. I said, hey, I think I want it to be $47 a month. And I was actually having dinner with a friend. And she was like, oh, $47, that's a great number. And 4 plus 7 equals 11. That's an even better number. And she said, I think it should either be 47 or 74 and I thought, okay, we'll start at 47 and we'll end up at 74. So that's what that's what we did. So uh, yeah, that's how the price is now. It's there's really it's so funny. I feel like there's really not a science to pricing things. You kind of just make up the number and then you kind of get to decide if you want to charge more or less or raise the price or lower the price. Like you're you're the boss. You get to decide that. Did you get a lot of pushback on once you went to 74? So one thing we did do is uh, anyone that had joined at a previous rate, they had they were grandfathered into those rates. So that's one thing that we have done. So like our founding members who joined in October of 2017, they're still paying $47 a month and they'll pay $47 a month forever. 
Um, and that's the benefit of joining early. You know, they joined when there was like one little video of me saying, hi, welcome. There's nothing here yet. Let me create some content for you. So they get that, that price for life. Um, there really hasn't been any pushback. You know, once folks get in the community, they see the value is there. Um, and more often than not, we hear from our members that there's far more value than $74 a month is actually what they're paying. There's a lot more value than what they pay each and every month. So no, we, we, we're confident with that price. It's worked well. It's helped increase our lifetime value of our member. Um, and yeah, it's worked out well. So I guess my question would be that if you are not getting a lot of pushback, why not keep going higher? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. I don't, I, that comes down to, you know, that comes down to like a mindset thing I need to work on is why can't I charge more for this? (laughs) Um, yeah. So what we're going to do this year, we're going to play around with pricing a little bit and just see, kind of see what the threshold is for our members or potential members with price. Uh, we're also going to play around with some pricing or price options in particular. I, you know, one thing that does come up when you're pricing something like this, a lot of times uh, is giving people too many options and kind of that analysis paralysis sets in and they don't know which one to choose. So we're going to play around with some different options this year, only offering like annual options, only offering a lifetime option, those types of things and some smaller launches and see what that does for us and see if we can uh, change our pricing model at all. And we'll just, I mean, we'll, we'll play it by ear. I'll let you know how it goes. Cool. That makes sense. Um, and when you were at the $47 price point, were you getting a lot of, uh, were you getting any feedback from people like, oh, this is way, this is a great deal or this is really cheap? That's a good question. I, I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know if I was really paying that much attention to the feedback I was getting. You know, there's always, we always get feedback, you know, when people don't, if they go through our entire enrollment process and, you know, we do that through an automated webinar and email sequence, if they go through all that and they don't join, you know, there's always people who say, well, the price, I can't afford it. And then, we have people who cancel and they always say, well, it was the price. I couldn't keep paying that. But I don't necessarily pay as much attention to those things because a lot of times I feel like in the sales process, when people are saying it's the price, that really comes down to a marketing message on my end and not that I need to lower the price. I just need to do a better job of demonstrating the value or helping them understand how it is worth that money. And then when people cancel because of price, you know, I think, well, that's just an opportunity for us to better connect with our members and and showcase the value they're getting for that money. So it's never been a big concern for me. And I've never really paid too much attention to what people are saying in terms of price. It's always kind of come down to what I think the product is worth and, and also the results that we're getting our students and the fact that we have students who make back their investment within like a week of joining, you know, or, make back their investment times 10 within their first couple of months of being in the community. So it doesn't really matter the price because they're seeing the return on that investment. And that's what I really focus on. And then how can we keep attracting more people who are like those people who are learning, implementing and getting the results? Because those are really the people that matter. I don't care about Joe Schmo who joins and then cancels and says, well, it's too much. You shouldn't charge that much. I care about the people who are there, who have stayed there and who are like, yeah, this is worth it. And I made my money back. And those are the people I want to talk to. Cool. I think that's a good place to end it, Tyler. Thanks for uh, taking some time to talk with me. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. 
The Member Maker Podcast has been brought to you by Memberspace, the software that helps you turn your audience into a membership business. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.